appreciate the worship this morning, those songs about freedom in Christ. Amen. That's for all of us. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at this passage, a few scriptures at the end of chapter 4, and we're going to go right into chapter 5. I have a good bit of scripture that we're going to read as we start this morning. So wonderful to see you here. Amen. Good to be in God's house and with his people. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. Acts 4, 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Verse 36 and 7. And Joseph, who by name, who, which, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas was one of the, was not one of the twelve um, disciples or apostles, but he was a leader, and, and we see that he, he took what he had, this property, he sold it, brought it, and laid it at the apostles' feet, to be given and distributed as there was need within the church, and others were doing this as well. Chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. We're going to look here this morning about this. He sold a possession or they sold a possession, Ananias and Sapphira. We just had read how Barnabas had done that and others in the church previous to this had done it. They sold a possession but they kept back part of the price and brought a certain part. They kept back a certain part and brought a certain part. And we're going to read further to see what happens as a result of this. Then we're going to talk about it this morning. Verse 3, we'll keep going. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart that has not lied unto men but unto God? And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all men, all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. And she fell down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Now, we've heard that. That's some kind of account, isn't it? Not a parable, not a fairy tale. These are two real people. We could have a long debate whether they were truly knew the Lord or didn't know the Lord. There's nothing uh, that really says, but I'll say this. They were known in the church. Peter knew who they were. They were uh, behaving and acting for the most part like the people around them. And again, they knew who they were. But it says that they sold a possession and kept back part of the price. The key to all of this, and, 
and you'll see where, we're, where the Lord's taking this message in just a moment. The, the key is not that they gave or didn't give. Because this would have been what you would call a free will offering. Whoever God puts it on their heart to give, give. Now we know we tithe and that we believe that that is what God has for us as a systematic form of giving. But free offerings and free will offerings... And, and Peter even said to him, while it was, while it, you had the land, wasn't it your own possession? Couldn't you do with it what you wanted? After you sold it and got the money, wasn't the money yours and within your power to do what you wanted to do with it? He says, why, has, ha, why have you agreed together to, to tempt, allowed Satan to fill your hearts with this, to lie to the Holy Ghost? The point was not that they gave or didn't give. The point was not how much they gave or didn't get, get, give. The point was that they said, we brought it all. We sold it for 50000 and here's 50000 When they really sold it for 150000 and brought 50000 and said, this is all of it. You understand that. The point is not they gave or didn't give. Nobody asked them to. There wasn't a fundraising drive and people out asking for people to sell their properties and give. It was a free will offering, and it was in other people's hearts to do it, and Barnabas's heart to do it. But I can tell you this morning that they, the Bible says they sold the possession and kept back part of the price. And this is what I want to talk about. And they brought a certain part. They had all this. They sold it, they kept back part, and gave part. And I can tell you this morning that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace, is willing to fill us as we come to God and give ourselves to Him without holding back part of the price. People are asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he is more than willing to do that. He'll do that when we surrender to him without holding back part of the price. The Lord will bless your life. The Lord will fill you. The Lord will help you. The Lord will prosper you. The Lord will give all to you in Jesus Christ when we come and give all to him without holding back part of the price he demands all and he demands nothing less than all and in exchange you and I receive all from the Lord now salvation is a free gift and I don't want to make it as though it's not but I'm talking about walking in the fullness of Christ I'm talking about having the blessings of God that you read about other men and women having you're envious and we should be envious but we can have the same. Amen? Are you willing to pay the price without holding back part of the price? God will give you a deeper understanding of his word if you're willing to pay the price. God will pour out his spirit upon your life in a way that you've not experienced before if you're willing to pay the price. The Lord will give you a harvest of souls that you've longed for if you and I are willing to pay the price. He desires to do this. The price is all. The price is all. And in return, we receive all from the Lord. You know, there was a multitude of people and Jesus had compassion on them. He had been preaching to them all day and it was late into the evening and there was no place to buy food. And the disciples said, let's send them away where they can go get something to eat. They're hungry. Jesus said, no, they might faint on the way. You give them something to eat. They didn't have anything. Andrew said, there's a lad here who's got uh, five barley loaves and two fish. 
What's the point? The point is he gave what he had. The little boy, he had five. He didn't have ten and said, I'll give you five of them. He has five barley loaves and two fish. He brought all that he had, and he brought it to Jesus. Jesus fed the multitudes, and they had leftovers. Okay? They had leftovers. There is a woman, again, not a parable. Jesus was watching how the people gave in the temple. He's in the background, in the shadows. Nobody sees him. Don't even probably know who he is. And he's watching how the people gave. And he said, there's a, there, that widow that came in, and she cast in two mites, two pennies. But you know what it said about her? That was all her living. That was all she had. He commended her. She, she's the one that really gave. She's the one that really gave. She gave what she had. When we give what we have without holding back part of the price, I'm not asking you to sell everything you have and bring it to this church. The Lord takes care of us, takes care of through your giving. I'm talking about surrendering fully to the Lord everything in our lives. We want from the Lord, but we're not willing so often to surrender all to the Lord. I'll say this again because I don't want there to be any mistake. Our salvation is a free gift of God which we receive as we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. His gospel, simply the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. And you say, I believe that. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he rose again in power. And he's the only Savior. I give my life to him. Be my Savior. Oh, how I need you. Come into my heart. Wash me in your blood and cleanse me. That's free. We didn't do anything except believe and confess, amen, and turn to the Lord. But holiness, on the other hand, a closer walk with Christ, walking in the fullness of what the Lord Jesus has for us, being a disciple of Christ, which is what he's called us to be, demands all. And we're living a day and age with this cheap believism, so to speak, where everything, you just keep living your life basically the way you want to. Jesus wants to tag along and bless you. I can tell you, he ain't got to tag along after anybody. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. I'm going to go after him. Where I am, there will my disciples be also. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us, but I can promise you, he's not playing games with us. And can I come along somehow and just help you a little out? No, he wants to take over. He came to reign. He came to rule. He came to save. He came to deliver he came to heal. He came to be glorified in his saints. Amen. That's what he desires. And so salvation is a free gift, but walking with Christ the way we're called to walk with Christ demands everything. It demands all of me laid upon the altar. We have an altar up here. We call it an altar with some little foam kneeling benches. But This is where we want to meet with God. You can meet with God in your home. You can meet out on a, under an oak tree. You can meet with God turning around and kneeling at your chair. You can meet with God anywhere you want to. Praise God for that. But we come to these altars saying, I'm in agreement with what God spoke to me in that message. And I'm surrendering to that. I'm yielding to that. Lord, help me. God, forgive me. God, strengthen me. That's why we have the altar. And we cry out to God. And we, we cry out and we lay ourselves up on the altar, so to speak given ourselves fully to the Lord without holding back part of the price. All of you and all of me given freely to the Savior that saved us, all and not part, amen? All and not part of that Old Testament sacrifice was to be put upon the altar and burned. You know that? 
That's a picture and type and shadow. We don't offer those types of offerings anymore. Christ was the one final offering for sin, provided by the Father, accepted by the Father. Amen? But that, that offering, I just want to read this to you. I want to read this to you. I have the scriptures written. I'll tell you where they're coming from. But in Exodus chapter 29 and Leviticus chapter 4 and chapter 8. And thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet Savior, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So it's man and it's God. And there's the offering we give. And what was required here, and just, just what we're reading here, was that whole ram to be put as a burnt offering. Not, not in, not in uh, good intentions, but burned, given and burned. In, in Leviticus 4, even the whole bullock. Now, I just want you to notice how it says, The whole bullock shall, be carry, shall he carry forth without the camp unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out, and burn him on the wood with fire. And it speaks of Moses. And he washed the inwards and the legs in the water, and Moses burnt the whole ram upon the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. And we say, okay, that's Old Testament stuff. That's that bloody religion. That's that Old Testament. But why do we think, and we're not under that. We're not under that. We're not required to offer offerings for our sin as they were. It was actually the grace of God to give them that means by which they could offer up an animal instead of themselves to where they, this, their sin would be atoned for and covered until they, until they would really trust in God fully as Savior and Lord. But why do we assume that somehow for the, that the cost is less today? Why do we think, well, we're in, we're in the age of grace. We're in New Testament Christianity. Why do we think that it, it's less costly or a lower, smaller price on our part has to be paid to the Lord or given to the Lord? Again, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about walking with God. Is, does he require anything less than all of us being given to him? That's what he requires. The Bible says, uh, but Paul says to the church, I'm going to read some New Testament scriptures, okay? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Brethren, they're already Christians. They're not paying for their sin. They're giving their lives to Christ fully. That you present your bodies, you, not an animal, yourself, as a living sacrifice to God wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We say, well, that's Old Testament stuff. We're, you know, we're just floating like on a cloud of grace. And I do thank God for his grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. We're saved by grace through faith. I understand. We're to continue to grace. We're to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But that grace does not absolve me from any commandments of the Lord that he's called me to. I keep those commandments by the grace of God. I obey the Lord and present my body every day when I don't feel like it. I wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I present my body as a living sacrifice to you. What am I saying? I'm yours. I'm yours. Use me as you will. Use me up. Burn me up. Burn me out. Use me up for your glory. At a young age, at an old age, just use me today. While I'm here, use me for your glory. I give myself fully to you. We're not paying for our sins. The blood of Jesus did that. The blood of Jesus did that. We are living for God. 
It seems such a strange concept in the church world today to actually take up our cross and follow the Lord, but that's what he's called us to. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You've heard that it was said the old time, this would be the law. All the Jews knew the law when Jesus was saying this on the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it was said of them of old time that shall not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in the danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. What is he doing? Is he saying it's easier or anything? Like, no, he's saying, look, you've heard you shouldn't, shouldn't kill. I'm telling you, if you're hating in your heart, you're guilty of it. Jesus said, if this whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. It's not, it's not a lessening. We're to give our all to the Lord, everything to Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Matthew 10 is a wonderful chapter where he's first we see him, uh, you know, freely you've received, freely give. And he sends him out like on a little trial run mission trip. Okay, they come back rejoicing that the devils were subject to him in his name and, and all these things. But he said, he that loveth father or mother more than me. Are we to love our father and mother? Absolutely. It's a commandment, right? Honor your mother and father. We're to love. We love the Lord with all our heart, our neighbors, ourselves, our church brothers and sisters. We're to even to love our enemies. That goes without saying. But he says, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And listen to this. He that loveth son or daughter more than me. Oh, how we love our children. We got to be careful we don't make them idols. That we don't make them idols. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And listen, he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. There's a period right there. And so he's telling, what is this to me? This is all. This is giving all to the Lord without holding back part of the price. A certain part. Ananias and Sapphira gave a certain part, laid it at the church door, the apostles' feet, and kept back part of it. But if we want to have all what the Lord has for us, we need to give all unto the Lord. That means your children that means your spouse. That means yourself. That means your goals and pursuits that you had kind of outside of Christ. He may give them right back to you and help you accomplish them. He may give you something totally different. I wanted to be a lawyer, and I wanted to do this, that, and the other, kind of. It's kind of in college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And the Lord called me to something else. I'm very thankful for what, what he called me to, to do and the life that he had for me instead. Listen to this. this. This is a key scripture, Luke 14, 33. I'll just read it. So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's worth reading again. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciples. Now, I'm not. The Lord's not. I'm certainly not trying to make being a disciple of Christ harder than it is. I'm not trying to make it more difficult to know Jesus or walk with the Lord. It is what it is. Amen? It is what the scriptures say it is. But we're to give all to the Lord. He says he cannot be my disciple. He doesn't say it would be hard to be my disciple if you don't forsake all. He says you cannot be my disciple. 
A disciple is a follower. That's what, by definition, disciple is a learner or a follower. He doesn't say you can't pray the sinner's prayer. He doesn't say that God won't love you. He says you cannot be my disciple if you don't didn't forsake all that you have. That word forsake is kind of interesting. It's actually not in the Bible as much as you think it would be or as much as I thought it would be. You know what it means to forsake all that he hath? It means forsake means literally the, the definition says to say adieu. A little French word, say adieu, goodbye. To say adieu by departing. So I'm to forsake all that I have by saying adieu, okay, and turning and departing it, leaving it, going away, going the other direction. The word forsake means to bid farewell to. It means to denounce or to send away. What am I to denounce? Just some of the bad things in my life? Cursing, I should denounce that. Well, certainly. I'm a Christian now. Lord, cleanse my mouth. Put that out of my mouth and my heart. No doubt. But there is, he says, all. He that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. No strings attached. We like to attach strings to it, right? When we want it, we pull it back. We give it all to God, except when I want it, I want to be able to pull it back. So got some string attached to it. I want to I separate from friends that are ungodly, but I want to I keep my finger in there some way because when I don't want them back, I want them back. No, God says we let these things go. We bid farewell to them. We bid farewell to them. No strings attached. We're not to reserve a portion for us and give a portion to the Lord. Here, Lord, you take half and I'll take half. And I also say this, it's more than good intentions. We can say a lot of, what's a, let's say in a uh, road to hell is paved with good intentions. People intended to do this. I intended to surrender all to you, God. Never got around to it. Tended to quit living in sin. Never got around to it. So even as Christians, you know, it's more than good intentions. It's making good on that. Who will help us to do it? God will help us to do it. But we have to yield those things to God. Why, would we, why would, we, would we be afraid to surrender everything to the Lord? Is he not faithful? Can he not keep us? Can he not hold us in his hands? Can he not more, infinitely more, pour back into us more than what we give to him? We ought not be afraid to surrender all to the Lord. We cannot be his disciple uh, if we don't forsake all. I think men in this life, and I don't think it's just this day and age, I think it's mankind. Men in this life, they want a quick fix for their souls. They want the quick, easy fix religion. Give me the least possible that I need to go to heaven and not hell. You know what I mean? Give me the least amount of, uh, they wouldn't say these words, but their thought is, okay, you know, the least amount of, of surrender to the Lord that will suffice. Uh, and, you know, the path of least resistance. Give me the cliff notes. I want the little short version. I don't want to read the whole book. I would say easy, soft path, a painless salvation, a painless sacrifice, a bloodless sacrifice, a bloodless cross, a deathless cross for themselves and for their lives and for their religion. But that's not what we're, that's not the religion of the Bible. That's not true Christianity. It's one that's made up in, as days have gone by to make people 
feel like they're okay when they're not. The cost is all. The cost is all to be a disciple of Christ. Salvation is a free gift. Living for God in a world that doesn't know him, that's another story. It costs something to follow the Lord. These apostles that we read about at the beginning, when we mentioned Barnabas and Peter, they laid the, the, these men gave all. They gave all to the Lord. Listen to this. Peter's began to say to the Lord, Lo, we have left all. And they had. As far as they knew, the best that they could, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution. And in the world to come, eternal life. You have to decide, is it worth it? I'm here to tell you it is worth it. You have to decide, is it worth it? Okay? To forsake all, that we would gain all back and then some. And then a lot of some from the Lord. Amen? We cannot beat his disciple without surrendering, surrendering all. Man, mankind today, and, and I would say we're all guilty of this. We want all of the benefits of Christ. Want all the good stuff that Jesus has for me, everything, but we want all the benefits without surrendering all of ourselves to Him. It doesn't work that way. We want all of His help through this life without giving all of ourselves to Him. We, as we read in Romans 12:1, we are to be the sacrifice to God. We are to present our own selves as sacrifices to God. Again, not for sins. Jesus was that final sin, sacrifice for sins. But we want all from the Lord. But we don't want to surrender all to the Lord. It might be like Cain in one sense. Lord, take this. This, this will suffice. Take this much. But I want all, all the good stuff from you. I want all the benefits and blessing and protection and healings and financial blessings. I want all that. Here, take this, God, but maybe these other things are off limit. So I'm not giving you my bank account. I'm not giving you my friends that don't know Jesus. I'm not giving you my Saturdays. That's me time and my Friday nights. Those are off limits. No, we give ourselves the whole thing. We're that whole burnt offering, but we're a living sacrifice unto God. Maybe we want some of God and not all of God. We want some of the Christian life and we want some of the world. We want some of the, the world that we enjoy. That's, that's really a God of our own choosing. That's not the God of, a God of the scriptures, though. Amen? The one that we read of here, I'll read this again where we started. Ananias, he says he kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so he comes, he sells his property. Others were doing it. It was wonderful. It was of God. It was joy. It was free will offering. Like when the, the supplies were being uh, gathered to build the, the tabernacle or the temple, people were just, they had to say, oh, you've given too much. We got more than enough gold and silver and materials. Stop giving so much. It's, it was like this, I think, in the early church. So-and-so's got a need, not a want, but a need. And people say, I got this, I got 10 suits in my closet. I'm going to sell nine of them. 
you know, bring the money from selling nine suits. I don't need ten suits. And I'll, and I'll give the money, distribute it to the poor. And they were doing it with joy. It was just joy to give, okay? And giving as the Lord, uh, and the Lord meeting people's needs that way. But Ananias and Sapphira, they gave part and kept back part. And to me, that's just a good a picture of someone that wants to hedge their bets, so to speak. To me, it's almost like uh, they wanted something to fall back on. They wanted something in case all this, you know, uh, this Christianity stuff doesn't work out so hot. I want to still have something to fall back on. Maybe, maybe that's their thought. And we see people like that. They, they want to uh, have something to fall back on. But all we need to fall back upon is Jesus. He wants it to be that way. All that I have is Jesus, period. That's when we're really freed up. I'm not saying he's going to take all your money. I'm saying you give it all and let him, you know, let him take care of you. I'm not saying you bring it all to the church. Understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about surrendering everything to the Lord. My kids are yours, Lord. My future is yours, Lord. My finances are yours, Lord. My home is yours, Lord. If you take it tomorrow, I'm okay because I've already given it. I gave it five years ago. It's yours. I gave it to you. I'm talking about really in our heart of hearts giving th everything to the Lord and, and that's in not having something to fall back on. We have Christ to fall back on, which is a whole lot more than we could save in our bank account. You heard this saying, I know you have, we want to have our cake and eat it too. I want to do that. I want to eat my whole birthday cake and still have it sitting there so I can eat it again the next day. I want to have my cake and I want to eat it too. Well, we can't. And so many people want to do that. Ananias and Sapphira, I believe they wanted to be recognized. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but the fact that they conspired to lie about it, I think they wanted to be recognized among the apostles and in the church as being like the rest who gave all like Barnabas. They wanted that recognition, maybe the accolades of that, but they wanted to do it and not really do it. They wanted the, the, the praise of men without having to give all. They wanted to keep back under their own control. Again, just so we don't misunderstand, their sin was not that they sold it, and, and the sin was not the amount that they gave. The sin was that they said, this is all. And they kept back part for themselves. So there was an appearance that was hypocritical, right? An appearance. They weren't lying to the apostles, to Peter. They were lying to the Lord. It was his house. And they say they were giving it all to God, and they lied. Okay? And so you say their heart was divided, right? They wanted the best of both worlds. I want the recognition among the church. I still want to have my money. I want to have my cake. And I can look at it, and it looks real nice, and I want to eat it too and still have my cake. They wanted the best of both worlds. You know, when that's the case, when it comes to our Christianity, our walk with the Lord, we actually end up with neither. You end up with the best of neither world. That's a house divided. That is a heart that's going to want to hang on. That is wanting to hang on to this much of the world because I like just these parts of the world, and I want to hang on to Jesus and go to heaven when I die. And I want the blessings of God. And you, you end up with the best of neither. Be better just let Jesus go and going back into the world enjoy yourself. You're not going to do that because you know the truth, but you understand the point. You're not going to have the best of either world. You're going to be miserable. I lived that way for five years. I know what I'm talking about. 
and some of you may know as well, you know, that, that carnal Christian life, being saved but not wanting to come out of the world. I lived there. I've been there. The most miserable time of my life. I was happier when I was lost. To know what's right and not to do it, to know, have the Holy Ghost living inside of you and calling you to do this, but he say, but God, but God, I want these friends over here, and I want all this over here. You're not going to have the best of either world. You won't have the best of any world. We need to surrender to the Lord. Jesus said, when you take heed that you do not your alms before men, this is Ananias and Sapphira to me, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not stand, sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Do you want glory of men? Or do you want the reward of God? You're not going to have both, especially in the church world. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Those hypocrites, they, that's what they wanted, that's what they got. People, oh, look how much they gave. Isn't that beautiful? But they didn't do it for God. They're hypocritical. They have their reward. Take heed that you not do that. This is what Ananias and Sapphira were doing. I'm going to close with this wonderful passage. I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 24. Just to set a background real quickly, 2 Samuel 24, David, later in his life, he's kind of got, uh, had more rest from his enemies around. This is when he's established as king, and he's fought Goliath as a child, and he ran from Saul for years, and, and he's fought many Philistines. He's on his throne, and he gets this idea that he wants to number the armies of Israel. I know that you know this account. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? that? What was wrong with that is he had never done it before, and it was showing a reliance upon the flesh. In other words, I've got to number my armies and say, wow, that's pretty impressive. I can go attack this group. And, the, and, and even his general, I think Joab said, don't do it. Don't do it. The Lord make your armies 100 times more than they really are. You don't have to number your armies to see how strong you are. It was like turning inward to look, where's my strength? Okay, when his strength had always been the Lord, right? And he says, don't do it, don't do it, his general told him. He, nevertheless, the king's word prevailed. So they go out through the land, and it takes months and months, and they number the armies of Israel. And let's read in 2 Samuel 24, verse 14. Well, God had given him three choices, just real quickly. He sent the prophet Gad to him and said, this is a sin which you did, David. There's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a punishment for it. I'm going to let you choose your own punishment. He goes, seven years of famine or three months fleeing before your enemy or three days of pestilence in the land. That's your choice. Seven years of famine, three months fleeing before your enemy or three days of pestilence in the land. David's starting to wise up a little bit by this point, okay? He's got a contrition in his heart. He's turning back to the Lord. Verse 14, David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hands of the Lord. This is another sermon for another day. But when we sin, go to God. Don't run from God. He's the one that you sinned against. He's the one that can forgive you and restore you, okay? He says, let's fall on God. I just sinned against God, but I'm going to fall on God. He's merciful. Amen? 
Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. And let us not fall into the hand of man. So the, the punishment was the pestilence. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning even to the time appointed. And there died, listen to this, there died of the men from Dan to even to Beersheba, 70,000 men. When he says Dan to Beersheba, that's like saying coast to coast, east to west, Atlantic to Pacific. There died from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men in this pestilence, okay? And this was a judgment. Again, it's important to me to point out, it doesn't mean they died and went to hell. It means that they died, okay? They died before the Lord as a judgment. All right, skip down to verse 17. David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel, because there's an angel with the pestilence smiting the people. And he said, Lo, I have sinned. So here's a confession. And I have done wickedly. But these sheep, speaking about the people, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, be upon me, against me, and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Aranah, the Jebusite. Okay, so David goes there. This was the, God's about to, to turn the plague and stop the plague and, and, and restore things. And Arnah, verse 21, said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Aranah said unto David, let my lord the king take an offering up, what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. And the king, and, and these things did Aranah as a king give unto the king. And Aronah said unto the king, Thy Lord, the Lord thy God accept thee. Here's the key, verse 24. And the king said unto Aronah, David says, No, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and, from, and the plague was stayed from Israel. He said, no, uh-uh. I'm not giving anything to my God that doesn't cost me something. When we come down to this altar, I lay me down at this altar. I lay my life before Jesus Christ. This isn't a cheap relationship with Almighty God. This isn't a cheap walk through, the, through this life. He died for my sins. He purchased me with his blood. I'm not my own possession anymore. I'm not going to offer to God something that doesn't cost me something. Take money out of the church bank account and give it like I gave it to somebody. Not going to do it. A church may give an offering and I may give an offering. I've seen it happen, like I gave it. I'm not going to offer to the Lord something that costs me nothing. It's not an offering to the Lord, if, I, if otherwise. Not my offering to the Lord. Altars are open. 